Chapter Ten of Joan Thursday by Lewis Joseph Vance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Monday morning found Mr. Matthias back at his desk and in a tolerably unhappy temper, tormented not only by that conscience-stricken sensation of secret guilt inseparable from a return to neglected work, but also by a less reasonable, in fact inexplicable to him feeling of discomfort as though he were a trespasser upon the premises rather than their lawful tenant never before had he felt less at home never more ill at ease in the homely solitude of his workshop and lodgings as for his work he found page six of that promising young first act in the typewriter carriage precisely as it had been left on his receipt of helena's peremptory telegram removing the sheet he turned back to the first page and read what had been written with such high and eager hope and looked his dashed bewilderment knitting portentous brows sedulously he reconsidered the manuscript at length then with a groan put it aside ran fingers through his hair till it rose rampant and sat scowling darkly at the wall groping blindly and vainly for the lost ends of that snapped thread of enthusiasm the first flush of confidence vanished what he had written owned heart-rending incoherence in his understanding however he assured himself it would come back to him in time indeed it was bound to it wasn't the first time this sort of thing had happened to him nor yet the second he was no raw novice to cry despair over such an everyday setback but what the devil was the matter with him all the way to town he had been full of his theme as keen set for work as a schoolboy for a holiday and hardly less for the well-worn comforts of his abode and lo here sat he with his head as empty as his hands and at misfit feeling battering him to exasperation instinctively he consulted a pipe and through its atmosphere the view from his windows the never-failing tried and true and heartening monotony of that sun-scorched area of backyards grim and unlovely in the happiest weather cat-haunted and melancholy in all its phases but to-day he essayed vainly to distil from contemplation of it any of the rare glamour of yesterday's zeal and faith it was all gone all and the erratic mind of him would persist in trailing off after errant thoughts of venetia tankerville surpassing inconsistency of the human heart three hours ago in her company he had been able to control and to behave himself to anticipate with pleasure the prospect of returning to his desk after escorting her from the pennsylvania to the grand central station and putting her aboard the train for greenwich whither she was bound for a fortnight's visit but now he could think of nothing but venetia venetia's eyes her scarlet lips her exquisite hands her hair of bronze her moods and whims her laughter and her pensiveness alike adorable venetia in evening dress on the moon-drenched terrace of tanglewood venetia on the tennis courts all in white glorified by sunlight an amazingly spirited victorious figure venetia with her hair blown across her eyes at the wheel of one of tankerville's racing motor-craft venetia in the gloom of the grand central station lingering to say good-bye to her betrothed it required 
several days for this stupid gentleman to awaken to the fact that the name of his trouble was merely love that an acknowledged lover is a person vastly different from a diffident and distant worshipper that in short the muse of the creative fancy is a jealous mistress prone to sulk and deny the light of her countenance to a suitor who thinks to share his addresses with another but this illuminating discovery did little to allay his discontent progress with his work alone could accomplish that and the work dragged dolefully he scored only dismal failures in his efforts to produce something to satisfy himself and he had only six months to prove his worth the date of their marriage had been fixed for february every detail of their plans had been worked out under the masterful guidance of helena even the steamer upon which they were to sail for egypt had been selected and their suite reserved in short he positively had to win out within the allotted period of grace who seemed able only to sit there day in and out beside his typewriter with idle hands or with a vacant mind to pace his trail of torment from door to window getting nowhere stripped of every vestige of his arduously acquired craftsmanship it was maddening none the less doggedly savagely determined to overcome this sentimental handicap he worked long hours only to review the outcome of his labours with a sinking heart for all his knowledge of the stage for all that a long career of failures and half-hearted successes had taught him the play that slowly took shape under his modelling lacked vitality the living fire of drama technically he could find no disastrous fault with it but in his soul he knew it to be as passionless as a proposition in euclid he was a dreamer but not even the stuff of dreams could dull the clear perceptions of his critical intelligence meantime the superficial routine of workaday life went on much as it had ever since he had set up shop in the establishment of madame duprat his breakfasts were served him in his rooms for his other meals he foraged in neighboring restaurants a definite amount of exercise was required to keep him in working trim in short he was in and out of the house several times each day inevitably then he encountered fellow lodgers either on the stoop or in the hallway among them and perhaps more often and less adventitiously than in other instances one wistful young woman shabbily dressed in whose brown eyes lurked a hesitant appeal for recognition he grew acquainted with the sight of her but he was generally in haste and preoccupied looked over her head if not through her stepped civilly out of her way and went absently his own and never once dreamed of identifying her with that dreary and damp creature of the rain-swept night whose necessity had turned him out of his lodgings for a single night one day the second thursday following his return to town he found himself waiting in the lobby of the knickerbocker a trifle early for a luncheon engagement with rideout and his producing manager wilbrow a meeting arranged for the purpose of discussing the forthcoming production of the jade god the day was seasonably insufferable with heat but there was here a grateful drift of air through open doors and windows lounging in an armchair he lazily consumed a cigarette and reviewed the listless ebb and flow of guests with a desultory interest which was presently 
suddenly and rudely quickened marbridge accompanied by a woman was leaving the eastern dining-room they passed so near to matthias that by stretching forth his foot he could have touched the woman's skirt but she did not see him her face was averted as she looked up faintly smiling to the face of her companion marbridge on his part was attending her with that slightly exaggerated attitude of solicitude and devotion which was peculiarly his with all women if he saw matthias he made no sign his dark and boyish eyes ogled his companion his tone was pitched low to a key of intimacy he rolled a trifle in his walk with the insuppressible swagger of the amateur of gallantry they passed on and out of the hotel and matthias saw the carriage porter at a sign from marbridge whistle in a taxicab he turned away in disgust a moment or so later he looked up to find marbridge standing over him and grinning impudently as he offered a hand why how do you do matthias my boy his voice by no means subdued echoed through the lobby and attracted curious glances matthias ignoring the hand lifted one of his own in a gesture deprecatory softly he begged somebody might hear you unabashed marbridge dropped into the chair beside him how's that why shouldn't they they might make the mistake of inferring that i liked you returned matthias marbridge on the point of settling back sat up with a start a dull color flushed his plump dark cheeks for an instant his hands twitched nervously and his full lips tightened on a retort which he presumably deemed inadvisable for mastering his impulse he sank back again and put a period to the display with a brief but not uneasy chuckle <laughs> you're all there with the acidulated repartee he observed appreciatively some class to your work my boy to which matthias making no comment he added with at least some effort toward an appearance of sincerity sorry you feel that way about me unfortunately i do because i wouldn't act on your suggestion about that time-table eh because of the circumstances which moved me to drop that hint a brief silence prefaced marbridge's next remark but damn it i couldn't it would have made talk if i pulled out when you wanted me to there would have been no occasion for any talk whatever if you'd known how to comport yourself as the guest of decent people and still marbridge husbanded his resentment oh well he said agreed women matthias threw away his cigarette and prepared to rise hold on a bit marbridge checked him i want to ask a favor of you of course you're right i am a bad actor and all that i'm sorry i forgot myself at tanglewood word of honor i am well matthias suggested with an unmoved face look here marbridge sat up eagerly i think you're a mighty good sort thanks you didn't blow about that business down there i couldn't very well could i with a woman involved oh you did the right thing i'm not disputing that but what i'm worried about now is whether you're as good a sport as you seem meaning marbridge nodded significantly toward the sidewalk where he had put his late companion into the cab 
about today you won't find it necessary to by god matthias's indignation brimmed over if you're so solicitous of the woman's good name why the devil do you allow her to be seen in your company it isn't that marbridge persisted keeping himself well in hand after all what's a lunch at the nick well the trouble is she's supposed to be at newport magenda doesn't know you just can't help being a blackguard can you marbridge matthias inquired curiously you ought to have bitten off your tongue before you named a name in a public place like this he rose meeting with steady eyes the vicious glare of the other one word more if i hear of your accepting another invitation to tanglewood i'll forget to be what you call a good sport marbridge jumped up hotly look here he said in accents that though guarded trembled i've been mighty patient with your insolence and i'm certainly not going to forget myself here but if you want to make a book on it i'll lay you any odds you like that i'll be received at tanglewood within the year and you won't say one single damn word do you make me matthias looked him up and down smiled quietly swung on his heel and moved across the lobby to greet rideout and wilbrow his instinctive inclination to dismiss altogether from his mind a subject so distasteful was helped out by a conference which outlasted luncheon involved dinner with the two men of the theatre and was only concluded in matthias's rooms shortly after midnight wilbrow considering the play from the point of view of him upon whom devolved all responsibility for the manner of its presentation the scene painting alone accepted and gifted with that intuitive sense du theatre singular to men of his vocation who very nearly monopolized the intelligence concerned with the american stage to-day wilbrow had uncovered a slight by no means damning flaw in the construction of the third act and had a remedy to suggest this adopted without opposition from the playwright suggested further alterations which matthias could not deny were calculated to strengthen the piece in consequence when at length they left him he found himself committed to a virtual rewriting of the last two acts entire groaning in resignation he resolved to accomplish the revision in one week of solid uninterrupted labor and went to bed rising the next morning to deny himself his correspondence and the newspapers and to make arrangements with madame de Prat to furnish all his meals until his task was finished these matters settled and his telephone temporarily silenced he began to work and forgetful of the world plodded faithfully on by day and night until late thursday afternoon when he drew the final page from his typewriter thrust it with its forerunners into an envelope addressed to rideout entrusted this last to a messenger and threw himself upon the couch to drop off instantly into profound slumbers of exhaustion at ten o'clock that night he was awakened and sat up dazed and blinking in a sudden glare of gaslight stupidly bemused with the slowly settling dust of dreams he stared incredulous of the company in which he found himself madame de Prat, having shown his callers in and made a light for them was discreetly departing george tankerville whose vigorous methods had roused matthias stood over him with a look of deep and sympathetic anxiety 
clouding his round commonplace friendly countenance wearing a dinner jacket together with linen motor cap and duster oil-stained gauntlets on his hands with an implacable impatience betrayed in his very pose he cut a figure sufficiently striking instantly to engage attention the unexpectedness of his call aside furthermore he was accompanied by his wife helena in a costume as unconventional as her husband's stood at a little distance regarding matthias with much the same look of consternation and care great scott matthias exclaimed pulling his wits together you are a sudden pair of people with a shrug and a sour smile he deprecated his clothing which consisted solely of a shirt linen trousers and a pair of antiquated slippers if you'd only given me some warning i'd have tried to dress up to your elegance he went on damn your clothes tankerville exploded he dropped a hand on matthias's shoulder and swung him round to the light tell us you're all right that's all we want to know all right matthias looked from one to the other deeply perplexed why of course i'm all right why not with a little gasp of relief helena dropped into a chair tankerville removed his hand and leaned against the table smiling foolishly that's all right then he said we tried to get you on the telephone all afternoon failed we're afraid you've done something foolish and took a run into town to make sure what the dickens are you driving at matthias demanded i had my telephone cut off the other day because i was working and didn't want to be interrupted i do that frequently why not what's got into you two anyway have you gone dotty no helena replied with a grim pale smile we're sane enough and thank heaven you are but venetia venetia matthias cried what about venetia tankerville avoiding his eye it devolved upon helena to respond to matthias's frantic and imperative look venetia she said reluctantly venetia eloped with marbridge day before yesterday tuesday she came into town in the morning to do some shopping met him and was married to him at the city hall they sailed on the mauritania yesterday the papers didn't get hold of it we we knew nothing till this afternoon i was afraid she might have written you and you in despair her voice broke after a little matthias turned to a heap of unopened correspondence on a side table and ran rapidly through it examining only the addresses no he said presently in a level tone no she didn't trouble to write End of chapter 10